Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. I know I say that every week, but I genuinely, I genuinely hope this week is okay, uh, especially if you've got an anniversary coming up. It sounds like, do you remember they used to like shout out for birthdays and things? Like, yeah, we've got a birthday coming up. But on in the club, in our world, we say, uh, I hope if you've got an anniversary this week, it's okay. There's some very sweet tweets this week. Um, do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast. People um, having their first year anniversaries and going to the beach and having G&Ts and going for walks and, and tweeting about it and I always try and retweet those things so if you are looking for other people going through the same experience um, there's been some just lovely people helping each other on Twitter so it's just really thank you if you are helping other people it's so it's so nice to see that it's a good thing about social media that we can all find each other and help each other um, yeah do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Griefcast. Um, oh the other thing I have to tell you, which you're probably not even listening to this bit, but if you are, Griefcast has been nominated for a Chortle Award uh, for Best Podcast, which is really exciting. Uh, Chortle is a very massive sort of uh, comedy website, um, which if you're not in comedy, you might not have heard of, but it's, it's very huge in the comedy industry. And they have an award ceremony every year and they have Best Comedians Podcast. And it's we're up against ridiculous, ridiculous talent. So we're up against Adam Buxton, Guilty Feminist, All Killer No Filler with uh, Kiri Pritchard McLean. And Rachel Fairburn. Um, so we're up against incredible other comedy podcasts. So you know who knows. But if you are enjoying the show, please do go to chortle.co.uk and you can vote. You think you might have to give your email or something, but they don't really contact you, so it's okay. That would be hugely appreciated. Thank you. This week's guest is the incredible actor, comedian, and writer Brona C. Tipley. Uh, you may have seen Brona in The Reluctant Landlord, uh, Romesh's sitcom on Sky One or on Woman on the Verge. Uh, She also writes for some incredible people. She writes a lot for Tracy Ullman. Uh, She wrote for Tracy Breaks the News. Uh, She's written for Last Leg and Mash Report. And yeah, she's um, 
incredibly funny lady who I love very, very dearly. Brona came in to talk to me about her friend Kira, who died when she was in her early 20s. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here with comedy writer and actor Brona C. Titley. Hello. Hello, Carrie There you are. To yourself. I know, Brona. I feel like we've already had quite a long chat. <laughs> we've travelled quite far since we, we bumped have. into each other on the tube yeah. uh, a little while ago. I feel like we've covered a lot of topics. Yeah. And the, oh, there's so much I want to ask you, but I'm still reeling from the fact that we both don't like coffee. And But we love, but love to, to smell, smell it. it. Love to smell it. I've never, I, we've never met anyone with that same situation. It's And we seem to play out the same moment around friends who get delicious smelling coffees where we ask to smell it. Oh, they offer it, if, yeah. you know, for us to taste it. We say, no, I don't drink it. I just like the smell. I just love the smell. The smell. Do you ever just sometimes take the, you know, if you have coffee, proper coffee beans, just take the tin lid and smell the tin as well? No, and if you do that, you actually probably need a bit of help. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought we had a lot in common. It was oh, quite normal, but actually, you crossed no, the line. I crossed there. the line, didn't I? I crossed the line. Um, Brenda, how did you get into comedy writing? Because oh, you've written gosh. for so many like amazing shows. Haven't Thank you. you. Um, I did write comedy in university, and I had always kind of written as a kid and stuff. Then straight after university, I went to drama school. Um, came over here to the London. To um, the London. To the London. And after drama school came out and sort of immediately assumed that I would instantly get cast in as anything I wanted from yeah. the ingenue to Lady Macbeth <laughs> to, uh, you know, Same. an old man. The, all the roles I'd been playing at drama school, yeah. I was like, well, the world can't wait to cast yeah. me in all those disparate roles. Um, but found that actually there's not that many exciting comedy roles and decided to start writing some for myself. Oh, so I, wow. So, so after Lambda, I came out and started writing a bit of comedy um, and then segued into into television from that. Oh, kind of wow. got. Oh, I won a writing award, which helped. That it was a good help. launching yeah, pad. Yeah. That was the BAFTA Rockliffe New Comedy uh, Award. Yeah. Which Kaylee Baf- Llewellyn, yes, another, I guess, yes, also I think won. she yeah. won the year before me or after me. There was a year between us. But BAFTA were so supportive. They were sort of like, if there's anyone you want to meet in the industry, tell us and we'll introduce you. And I don't think they expected me to be like, here <laughs> okay. is a list of uh, 5,000 people. Please tell them Brona would like to see them for a <laughs> cup of tea. Um, and so I started to get jobs that way and then, and then just became kind of like, like wow. joke writer, sketch writer, sitcom yeah. writer, like Jack of all trades kind of situation. Which yeah, we've we talked about on the show before. Like people, I don't think sometimes people realise there is sometimes like a team of people doing things. Yeah. You know, like gagging stuff up, providing jokes for people. Like, and that's your job. It's like, how can we make this more funny, please? And, and like a bunch of people are like, we we can. And it's sort of it's a weird place to be because I mean I'm credited on all these shows. Sometimes you're credited as a writer. Sometimes you're given a sort of slightly more mysterious credit because yeah. they don't want uh, it to look like there's you know 15 writers on the show. But you also don't want to break the bubble of the people who love yeah, the show. So yeah. so when you say, oh, I'm a comedy writer, I write for this or that. And they go, oh, I thought those people are coming up with that in the moment. Of course, there's a huge element of that. But then there also yeah. is some, you know, some there's written a, there's, stuff. Especially if they're recording two shows back to back or if they're doing yeah. a five hour record and they're covering 10 topics. So they do need people, you know, comedy writers to... Yeah, like more brains yeah, to be like, oh, I've, I've got a brain over here. And I have two brains, which yeah. actually is... <laughs> 
which is handy. That is so handy. For the situation. And also it was a perfect accompaniment to acting then. <laughs> and then also kind of fed. So I would write for shows and then be like, oh, you know who's a classically trained, amazing actress? This guy. <laughs> and then sort of trick them into casting me in the shows then as well. So the two oh, things kind of smart. go. That's smart. That's so smart, Brona. Well, I have two brains. I mean, we did. Yeah, yeah. We did sorry, we did. Establish that. Listen, Carrie. So, sorry, I'm, no, I'm just not a good listener. <laughs> That's so smart, though, to be like... Yeah, I've written a, or also especially if you're writing on a show and you'd be like, oh, there's this really oh, part for like a Irish lady with yeah. blonde hair. Yeah. I don't know, who could we, I guess I <laughs> I guess I could do it. But yeah, why now, not? Now when I am writing uh, original scripts, I do tend to get like really like five foot two, blonde, uh, blue eyes, busty, uh, get really down in there, make sure there's no way that could possibly cast. No one else. Literally anybody else. Everyone's like, who could possibly <laughs> yeah. do this? It's from the postcode of Dublin 11, <laughs> has been in London for a decade uh. yeah her accent's Dublin but she's been in London 10 years and she went to drama school so it's, it's really specific so she's under, you know she's she's easy to understand she articulates she, she's really breathing from her diaphragm all the time oh, that's significant to us wow well, yeah I mean you have had an incredible career but obviously that's not why we're here today to talk I'm sorry Brona I'm sorry we're not here to do no, this is your life uh, god I really enjoyed it there for a minute oh, sorry <laughs> You have to go on a different comedy, a, a different journey, a comedy now. podcast. Yes. Um, who are we remembering today? Uh, no, no one at all. I just really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> just really wanted a big fan of the podcast. Thought I'd come in for a chat. Can see you. Oh my god! Can um, you imagine? Because <laughs> oh. like, you are one of the funniest people I know. I should have started with that. That one. I was at a party with you very recently. Sorry, it really stuck in my head. It's such a funny thing to do. Oh god! What that did you I opened do? the fridge and like something <laughs> fell outside. You went. Sorry, I've never used a fridge before. <laughs> And I laughed so much. And I, and I literally, like a child, thought, Brona's funny. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah, I don't really remember funny. that. Uh, I must and write that down and tweet it later. Yeah, it was really funny. Anyway. Um, no, but I do want to answer your yes, <laughs> original question. question. Yeah. Um, we are remembering my dear best and oldest friend from childhood, uh, Kira Jean Garrity, uh, who died uh, suddenly when she was 25. So, Kira, was she, did you just know her as Kira or Kira Jean? Kira Jean's a lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it I is lovely. Think. Well, I knew her pretty much. We met when we were, well, when she was 12. I was a bit younger and, and you know, we were extremely close uh, until she passed away. And I had always kind of known her as Kira. But then in the last kind of year or two of her life, she slipped in that other people called her CJ. And then it, beca- <laughs> it became a thing. And then oh. weirdly, after she died... I started to refer to her as CJ more. Like it became like a little nickname that yeah, I used that yeah. I had never kind of called her in life, which is strange. But but her name was Kira, and it was spelled C I A R R A. See, that's an why extra I was, I was like, "Where's the C coming from?" Because I'm hearing K E R I A. Yeah, sure. And then when you said C, I was like, mm, <laughs> "You guys, there's, why have you picked CJ?" No, I know Irish people have trouble spelling things, Brona. <laughs> Tend to put it, but so she was a kid. Wow, that is because we were just discussing how our names are easy to spell. That's a tough one. Yes, say that again for me. C C I A R R A, Um, and and my middle name, which the C stands for, is uh, very hard to say. That's uh, that's C A O I M H E. I don't know if that that? makes any sense to you. It does. I've seen it written down, but what is it? Go on, dry. Clumid. Yes, chlamydia. Chlamydia. I actually thought I was right. Chlamydia, typically. Chlamid. Uh, it's quiver. Quiver. Yeah. So nothing like wow. it's spelled. Um, so Kira was always Kira to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then and then became CJ. Sort of. 
Yeah. yeah. So we, how did you how did you guys meet? Like, what so was we the... met in. Uh, I went to this school down the road from me for a year, and then promptly changed uh, secondary school, and then changed to a different secondary school. And Kira was in that school, and uh, the I one you changed to, the one I changed. Uh, no, the first one, the one the I only went one. to for oh, a year. Okay. So we actually went to school together for a year, and then I left. But we remained really good friends, and that was why our friendship groups were never. She was never part of a group. She was yeah, mine. Yeah. I owned her. She was my. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was my very special friend that uh, didn't belong in other. We, like we didn't. Yeah. We weren't in each other's kind of social. And groups, that's quite nice because we you can moan about because my one of my oldest friends went to a different secondary school. Yeah. And so we could moan about each other's group. Yes. But, and but it's not like. Zoe's going to tell Sarah that I said that. It's like, no, it's dumb. Yeah, like, and she's there's over also there. different gigs to go to and different adventures yeah. and stuff. So I remember I remember meeting her, which I don't know that I have a, like a memory of like all of my friends yeah, that you meet at yeah. that time, but I remember. So she was very tiny. I mean, I'm quite small. I'm uh, uh, not a tall lady. <laughs> I think Kira might have been around my height when we were grown-ups, or maybe she was a little bit smaller, but my memory of her then was that she was just the tiniest little elf you'd ever <laughs> seen. And she had long, curly brown hair, and she kind of bounced up to me. And when we said hello, she was extremely warm and friendly and chatty. That was just her overriding characteristic yeah. her whole life. And one of the first things she told me was that she had a little sister who was three, and who lived in Australia because her, you know, her mum and dad had separated. Her dad had moved to Australia and he had other kids oh, there. Right. And I had never in my life heard anything as exotic as having a little <laughs> sister in Australia. Like I just thought, and her sister was called Bronte. Wow. And, I, and, she was, and she showed me a photo of her and she was like blonde and angelic looking. And I was like, this girl has a sister in Australia. Like, have you ever heard anything like that? She's from me. Hollywood. <laughs> it must be. She's from the movies. <laughs> wow. Um, and and so, so yeah, we um, we became friends then. We're very close friends that year. And then when I moved schools, we our our, our friendship transitioned to the, our parents' landlines. Oh uh, uh, yeah, and it Those was days. a very landline based friendship. We would we would spend a lot of time together. We would meet up a lot. But our early teens, my memories of Kira was just like long conversations on the phone, and we were neither of us short of a few words. <laughs> <laughs> but you're from, you're from a big family, right? Yeah. So was that yeah. quite stressful? The old phone, because me and my brother had to share that landline, and yeah. kids today do not understand. And it was stressful just me and my brother because he'd pick up the phone, get off the phone, I'm talking to Susanna, leave me alone. Yeah. Like, when you're the phone, politics of yeah. it, because there's seven of us, so <gasps> I have two brothers, two sisters. My parents were in the house, God. and I remember when call waiting came in. That was the worst thing that had ever call happened because then you awful. were supposed to get off the yeah. phone, uh, and you would ignore it. But then your mum would be like, "Did you ignore the bins? Did you ignore?" <laughs> I did. Yeah, because he said, I've just had Auntie Sheila on the phone. She says she's been trying to ring for two hours. Like, oh, did she? Oh. And actually, Kira came from a single parent family and she was her mum's only child. Oh. So she had sole ownership over that oh, landline. landline. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, there probably was some dramatic get off the phones. <laughs> so, your friends were this early teenage bit and then up to that. So, what yeah. happened? Like, so as you were growing up, did you sort of you know turn into different people or you just sort of maintain that friendship I think I think we were always kind of different people we had very similar sort of energies and hearts but then our friendships group groups were different our our interests were different Kira went on to become a carer she worked um she worked with um adults with autism and she also spent some time in Australia I think when she was around 17 she went for a year and then again in her 
early to mid 20s she went for a long period of time so there definitely was our late teens there was a period where we we never had a falling out but we definitely fell out of touch a bit we yeah. didn't spend as much time together as we had used you, uh, you know as we had well you get that massive change don't you from like you said that intense I'm only going to say from my point of view, but that intense female friendship yes. when you're like 12 to 14, yes. when you do literally... So formative. You just know everything about them. I, like, reme- I have a memory of Kira telling me what an erection was. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew the basics of how oh heterosexual God. sex worked. Wow. But I didn't know that there was... I just thought the penis can be, you know, put in at any time. Any time. And she set you <laughs> and straight. And she really... Literally. She set me boner straight uh, yeah she really talked me through that yeah there was so much of that formative stuff yeah yeah uh, you know first kisses and boyfriends yeah. and and uh, you know and everything in between and uh, so we did we did lose touch a little bit for for maybe around a period of a year two years but we had this kind of grand reunion which I also have such a strong memory of because it was in the summer and I was 18 or 19, so it was maybe, it had been a year or a year and a half when we hadn't seen, that. we just had, you know, fallen out of touch a bit. And we had been so close. And it was in Edinburgh, it was at the Edinburgh Festival. Wow. And she was coming down the steps of the Gilded Balloon TV oh, yeah, and yeah. I was going up them and, and there was this moment of like the world stopped at you and I was like Kira she's like Brona and we like fell into each other's arms we're so excited went for a you know went for a a cup of tea or a plate of lettuce I can't remember what we had (laughs) presume it was one of those two things and and then we were like extremely close until the day she died and you know and afterwards so you kind of found each other again at Edinburgh yeah and it was beautiful and then our friendship sort of then was a bit different because we were kind of suddenly adults and um you have to redefine it a bit don't you because like i can't tell you everything and bring you at seven o'clock at night until tea's ready so like we have to redefine because i've had that my oldest friend zoe i've known all my life like we've but we've stayed friends but each time there's been like uh oh yeah now we now we have to do this don't we (laughs) yeah and it was different actually because kira was working around the time that I was in university in Trinity in Dublin and she 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 occupied this new role of like take like taking care of me a bit like she was always quite mothery yeah. um but I'd be like that to a certain extent uh, with people too but like there was one thing she used to do so you know uh, had a phone a mobile phone that you could only top up with credit and of course oh, yeah. I was a student and I just never bloody had credit and and I think our lives revolved around having credit at yeah. that point in time yeah, I remember <laughs> that like, if you made a movie of my university years yeah. It would have been, I'm running out of credit. God, yeah, um, and you used to get those texts and you've got no credit. And you'd be like, can I borrow your phone to text? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh. and like someone would be like, hey, how come you haven't texted me back? And you're like, I'm sorry, I have no credit. <laughs> it was just like a huge part of our lives. But Kira would do this thing where she would get paid, go to the bank link, which is like the cash point in Dublin, and you could top up people's mobile phones from the cash wow. point. So she would get paid, go to the bank link, key in my mobile number, and I'd be, you know, somewhere in university, uh, and I would suddenly have credit on my phone. And I think oh. I eventually did, find, you know, realise it was her when she, you know, while she was still alive. And because sometimes she would maybe tell me that she had done it or whatever. But I also remember telling uh, her ex-boyfriend about it, like years after she died and he was like oh yeah I mean she had a lit she had six phone numbers in her wallet and she would she would do it for you know her uh, you know like a a friend of her uncles and like you it was just like that was 
that was such a big part of who she was, just like yeah, kindness. That is just really kind. Pure kind of goodness and kindness. She was like a rollicking good laugh and a drinker and a talker and a stay out all nighter. But she was just so kind and that and friendly and warm. Yeah. And oh, uh, what a lovely thing to do. It's yeah. a small acts of loveliness, yes. isn't it? Like you yeah. just don't that means yeah. so much. It's sort of like melt your heart. And I, and actually I think I'll always remember that because it was sort of just so selfless. Like there was no, yeah, yeah. you know, and it wasn't like she was making the millions. It was just no, that she had yeah. a job and I was a student. Yeah. So, uh, so how did she die? What happened? Mm. I took a sip of my tea there. At that <laughs> Sorry, very, I know. Uh, <laughs> and I sort of thought, can I extend the question? I, no, I no, that it. is the question. How did she die? Um, so I haven't uh, I haven't fact checked this in a long time uh, because you know it, it feels like a weird thing to ask Kira's mum now, but this is my understanding of the situation yeah. as it as it happened. Sure, and it was so strange, Cariad, uh, and and just blew my entire world wide open as we'll get to, I'm sure. So uh, it was it was September. I had just come back. I had come back to drama school early. I was in my final year at Lambda to do an extra play before my year of plays started. <laughs> Uh, and I'd been home in the summer, so I'd just seen her maybe like a week and a half previously, and we had texted, you know, a couple of days before. But she she entered a radio competition to win tickets to a music festival in Ireland, Electric Picnic, um, which is like kind of latitude or something. Right, yeah. Um, so she entered she entered this radio competition. She won the tickets. Wow. So she won tickets to the festival that she wouldn't otherwise have gone to if she hadn't won them and I, she won two tickets and a new friend of hers that she had just met worked near the radio station his name is David and so she as a thank you for uh, for him picking them up she sent him to pick them up and as a thank you took him to the festival right, yeah, yeah. and then because they were going together he gave her a lift on the back of his motorbike and then on the way home from the festival after the weekend uh, the bike slipped in the rain hit a bollard they both flew off he died instantly and Kira was taken to to intensive care and put on life support um and it was oh my it, like, god that's such a random it was it was of circumstances it is isn't like it? Or it, it it's it's probably the definition of random but also that word doesn't even begin to cover yeah. the, what felt like the amount of crazy leaps yeah. uh, that had to go through in order to put her in this situation where then she was just suddenly God, dead. That's really... We talked about this on um, Sophie Black's episode about just how chaotic life is and yeah. how we ignore it all the time. Yeah. But that is such a... like like a textbook example. Yeah. If you were trying to explain to a child, yeah. life is actually quite chaotic. And I think I think that element of it did fuck me up for a long yeah, time. Yeah, because how can you... Yeah. There's no... No, there's no, there's there's no nothing, safeguarding against no that. There's no explanation of, oh, people get sick or this happens. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like, and I'll, I'll sort of go on to then what sort of happened over the next 48 hours and, and, and her actually dying and stuff. Yeah. But... But what that randomness did and what that sort of suddenness did. So this is a person who I had seen a week and a half before. I had known what felt like my entire life was part of my heart. I had held in my arms and had a long, warm hug with, you know, a week and a half previously. And then was, was gone. 
like just snap, you know, snap mm-hmm. of the fingers gone. And I think I know you've talked about a sort of similar like tablecloth pulling out yeah, yeah. feeling, but I, I felt a bit like my life was, I don't know, like this bell jar with a lid at the bottom. And there I was in the middle with all the people I loved having a great time. Yeah. Just actually always being quite positive, thinking life was brilliant, just having a laugh, yeah. loving it. And then someone came along, whipped that lid out. Kira fell out and then and then <gasps> closed the lid. Oh, God. And I was I like, know. hang on, this is new information. Like, I didn't know that that lid opened. And, <gasps> oh, na- and it's now opened and it's taken out like what feels like a limb, like something yeah. so important to me. It's so important to me. But now I know that that lid can open. Are you telling me that that can happen at any time and mm. any of the elements in this thing that I prize so dearly can go? And I just, for a really long time, felt like everyone I loved was about to die at any second. Of course. Of it was course. just pure trauma Because, in that you know, that's the thing I think we find so hard to deal with. Of Like, when you have a shocking death, of course you then think, well, everyone's going to die. Yeah. Like, your brain is a very... Your two brains. Yeah. Is a, like, very quick to learn. So, yeah. like you said, once your brain goes, oh, this can happen, a tangent, but, like, we got mugged once. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry for I'm, doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I was... Yeah, you know, I was like, they're tiny Irish lady. <laughs> but that really made me realise, oh, anyone can just take what they want. Oh, gosh. But it was a really, like... Again, feeling. that thing of going, oh, I see. I thought this. Yeah. But it's not true. What yeah. I thought was what I thought because I didn't realise that if someone wants your stuff, they can just literally take it. They like, don't have to really do anything. They yeah. can just say, that's mine. And the same thing, like a motorbike can crash and just take. But yeah. it sounds so simple. But of course, your human brain is like, no, that's not how this world works because yeah. we don't want to believe that's how it works. And no, and also, I don't think we could get through the day <coughs> like no. that thing of your brain, you know, taking all the shortcuts with its neural yeah, pathways. Yeah. Because actually, if we took in all of, you know, if we yes. took in all of the new information new every single time, it would sort of, um, we would explode, I think, is the technical yeah. term. <laughs> I'm also a scientist. Um, but I'm not surprised that you felt that because it's so shocking. It was so shocking. And so, and especially someone young. Yeah. You know, they're young. And like you said, they're full of life. Nobody's and planning just, anything like that for it them. It was also the period of our lives, I suppose, where we had a, a presumed future. Yeah. You know, I was about to leave drama school, start my career. Kira, I think, was actually at the time talking about maybe going back to study. She was maybe thinking of going back to do another course. Uh, we had had a long conversation about that a couple of weeks previously. She was talking about, you know, getting another visa to go to Australia. Just like all the admin of life, yeah. that actually a conversation I will probably have today with somebody. Yeah. Just in the absolute unshakable belief that yeah. your life will continue. But anyway, so it had trans- how it transpired to me yeah. was I was, as I say, in London rehearsing for this play. And I was out that evening with some friends. We went, it was a friend's birthday, so we were going for dinner in Soho. And uh, I got a phone call from Kira's uncle, and Kira's uncle was her mum's youngest brother, so not that much older than Kira. And they were kind of like, right, yeah. you know, like an honorary brother. <clears throat> they were very close. And Kira had been over. He lives in London or just outside. Kira had been over to visit me and him at the end of the previous term, and she reintroduced me to him because I hadn't seen him since I was a kid. Uh, and we all went out on this night out uh, where we just drank until four or five <laughs> in the morning, properly bonded for life. And, you know, and I'm I'm so grateful 
that we had that night because of the support that then we were then able to give each other a bit later on. So anyway, he phoned me in the middle of this dinner. And so I saw his, his name coming up and I was like, oh, there's Ollie. And I like, I, I'm out drinking in Soho where he's clearly wants a drink. Yeah, yeah. Answered the phone. I think I was like, there you are, you bollocks. How are you? you know, I think I was genuinely like that thing of starting the call yeah. with pure, uh, pure banter. And he was like, oh, yeah, you're right. How are you? Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, Kira's had an accident. And I was like, I just, my brain was just like broken arm. Like, yeah. and I was like, oh, God, love her. That's all, you know, that poor thing. How How is she? And he sort of was like, yeah, no, you know, tried to talk about it a bit. And then there was something in his tone that suggested to me that this might be serious. So I said, I was like, is it serious? And he was like, yeah, I, I think it is, bro. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So she was in hospital. She was unconscious. So I was like, I, I finished the phone call and I was like, well, I have to, I have to leave this party. So I said to my friend, um, you know, I'm, I, I've just had this phone call with some bad news. A friend has been in an accident. I, I'm sure it's not serious, but I, I think I yeah, should go home. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've had one of those phone calls. You go. And I was like, mm, OK, he's overreacting. A bit, but anyway, <laughs> that's fine. I think it's fine, uh, weirdo. Yeah, yeah, sorry, this is my friend. Uh, yeah. She'll be fine. So I went I went to get the tube home. And this is just so morbidly funny. I uh, it was I think it was a hot night I was out I was I was wearing like a blue uh, like v-neck top I got onto the tube and as I was getting on the tube with this uh, like message in my brain of like something bad has happened and yeah. I don't know what it is yet this group of lads walked past me and one of them was like oh my days you've got the biggest tits I've ever seen in my life <laughs> <laughs> And I just kind of took, like, and oh, then my brain was like, oh, this, this man just shouted at me about my breasts in front of this entire tube carriage. And I'm trying to compute that with the message that something terrible has happened Bruno. to someone I love. So I'm just going to sit here blankly on the tube, <laughs> not reacting to either of those things. That did not happen. Yeah. Just as nothing has happened. Oh, and my God. Welcome to strange. London. Welcome yeah. to London. Yeah. Uh, so we're married now. Rita, that's how we met. So I went home and I was alone in, uh, I shared with three other actresses and I was alone that evening and, I, and, I, and panic started to set in a little bit, but I'm also not a worrier. I sort of believe like, don't run to me trouble halfway. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I'll take it as it comes. I'm sure everything will be fine. But I needed to like direct this kind of panic somewhere. So I wrote Kira a letter. So I just sat down immediately and was like, so you've just been in some sort of accident, you yeah, big Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't wait for you to read this in two days when, you know, you wake up and are feeling better. Just really didn't believe that, uh, that, that, that she could, that it was physically possible for, for her to die. That's really interesting though, because you are a writer and so yeah. your brain, this is the mad thing about brains, your brain was like, you need to write this down. That's yeah. the only way I'm going to get you to sort of realise what's happening to you. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody reacts differently in that moment of shock, but I think that's really interesting. Your it brain felt was like, like, it's right, like somewhere to put it. And also, I was also like, look, I know you're going to be fine, babe, yeah. but, but just getting that news did, you know, make me realize how much I love you and obviously I say it to you all the time but look I'm saying it now again here yeah. in this letter I'm thinking of you because you're unconscious and so I did sort of put all that stuff in and then I lay down to go to sleep and all I could see was her face just like I closed my eyes and I could see her face and I th and I think that's when I realized I didn't really know it but I mm. it almost felt like a visit like yeah. she wasn't dead yet she was on life support but it felt like 
I, you know, that I, I knew she was going to go. So I can't quite remember if it was the next kind of 24 hours or a bit of a haze. So I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. Mm. I, I had been told, Ali had been keeping me in touch. He went to Dublin. He'd been keeping me in touch, keeping in touch with me, sorry, about... Um, his sister, uh, Kira's mom, Gronya, and what was happening. And I think he said, we'll know at five wow. if we're going to turn off the life support machine oh, or God. not. And that was just foreign language to my yeah. ears. It didn't make any sense. And I think I was either supposed to phone Gronya or she was supposed to phone me when they made that decision. And they were, you know, very kind, keeping me in the loop. And so I had said, I had sent the director of this play a text the night before, which again was like, look, just to flag up, uh, yeah, this has happened, I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. And I think I'd said something like, but just so you know, in the next few days, there might be a funeral. And then I sort of saw myself write that and I was like, Brony, you drama queen. <laughs> it's not going to be a funeral. Kira can't die. Uh, stop looking for attention. And and she was a friend of mine. She had also been supportive. But uh, So I was in rehearsals and I had said, I'm going to go take this phone call at five o'clock. And I think I had arranged to go to like the vice principal's office was wow. we were rehearsing in Lambda. Yeah. And I did. And I was on the phone and I said, and, and Gronia, in whatever words she used, told me that they were turning off the machines. And I think I said to her, uh, Gronia, have we lost her? And she said, we lost her by the side of the road, Brona. And I got off the phone quite quickly and I, I was alone in the office and I properly fell to the mm. ground, like collapsed onto my knees like you do in a movie. Yeah. And, and, and there's it, a reason they do that because that's what happens. Like. Yeah. And I, I sort of hovered above myself and observed myself mm. do that. And part of me was like, are you just doing that because you think you're supposed to? Mm. And another part of me had just had just fallen, fallen to the to the floor. There's a few things that I remember over the next day before I get to Dublin, but I don't totally remember the sequence of events. I was in absolute shock. Mm. I mean, I definitely, you know, was crying and was upset, but I had no idea. Yeah, what. it's like the sh- like the all the pain is like over there. It's yeah. like not in your body, and so you're, that's why like your body's crying and saying, "Oh, it's so sad, it's so awful," but yeah. your brain is like going what you don't this didn't happen why are you acting like 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 you're playing a part and I think it's hard if you are an actor because you you sort of know what it's like to fake or play a part yeah and it's not that you're faking it's just you're aware that something hasn't got you yet like I think you're right you know and then when you're acting and you're not in a part properly you're like oh yeah I haven't got it yet I haven't got it yet I'm saying the lines it'll come and when you're in shock you're like oh I'm acting like I haven't got the part yet. What is what is happening here? Like, yeah, yeah it's really hard. It was really strange. Like, because I do remember that moment. I do feel remember the feeling of my legs going out from under me, yeah. but also the feeling of oh, you should fall on the floor now. Like it was yeah. like the two things existed. Yeah, at the same time. I had that with like doing a huge wail of like pain, yeah. and then being like, "Are you? What was that? Like, yeah. are you doing that? Because you're what like." I think it's just a part of your brain, I think, sort of stays awake and it's like, what's yeah. happening here? <laughs> that is interesting. And and I did have that moment mm. the next day. Um, my friends and flatmates had, had all rallied around. So my sister, who was helping me book a flight because I was going to go straight back to Dublin. And I think my friends left me alone for like 20 minutes, something like that, or like yeah. half an hour. Ooh, one of the, They were like swapping shifts the next day. I don't know how it happened. But I was alone in my house and I... I was on all fours and I let out a guttural, oh. like a series of guttural yeah. noises that I didn't know I could make. And then I went back to, to Dublin and I think uh, I uh, family picked me up from the airport and I went straight to the funeral home where Kira was laid out, but before the removal. 
and then the next day was going to be the funeral. So you know in Ireland we do it quite quickly. Um, I think people are just gasping for a pint. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get we need to get to the alcohol as <laughs> yeah. fast as possible. Let's get uh, some weight, big yeah. guys. Yeah. So, so did you see her laid out? So I did, and that was another sort of curious slash morbidly funny yeah. moment because I was I was terrified of it. I mean, I had I had actually a lot of people that I knew had died up to this point. Yeah. I had lost I had lost uh, beloved. Godmother, godfather, two grandparents, two mates at university. I wasn't, I had seen dead bodies and I yeah. wasn't far into the concept that people die. Yeah. But it's like you speak about the club. It's like when, yeah. when it's one of those inner people that make up part of you, you actually don't know what grief is until yeah. that happens. Yeah, I think before that, it's sadness. You're like, yeah. that's sad. I can obviously empathize as a human being, that person's died and that's yeah. sad. But it, when you walk, I feel like, if you can go that sad and then you turn into another room and you're like, oh, oh that's on, I'll watch that. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. like you can switch it off. Whereas yeah. grief is like, I'm all, always sad. Like, why is it not going? Why can't I walk away from it? Why can't I not get out of the room? Like, yeah. why? And you sort of get this, because you're used to being able to go, that's sad and now I'm okay. I like, know. why am I still not okay the next day, the next day, the next day? Yeah, yeah. and I do want to I do want to talk about that because the sort of physical onset of grief that happened yeah. a week or two later took me by surprise and I, yeah. and, and, and I know that that's sort of what this podcast is about. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So you saw her body. So I was between two minds as to whether or not I wanted to because we had had sort of the perfect goodbye wow. I could, because I was going back to drama school for a trip. So I knew I wouldn't see her for a couple of months. And so we had gone uh, to a place in Dublin that we both loved. We had had some chips. We had had hours together. And then we had held each other like, I can't believe I'm not going to see you for a couple of months. And the warmest, longest yeah. hug. And so I was afraid of seeing someone that would look different, that would override that memory. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But I decided I was going to because part of me didn't believe it. And I think I needed... I felt like yeah. I needed to see her body and I felt like I needed to see the coffin going into the ground. Um, and so I went to the funeral home and I went in and I saw her and I was... It was it was awful, but also it was Kira. She didn't look scary. She looked like mm. the person that I loved. And so I started to speak to her and then the door opened and the people who worked in the funeral home, like it's their job, it's their day to day, Yeah, like happens all the time. And I think a woman walked in and I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was something along the lines of, where do you want me to put the wreath, Gary? Um, like, pop, I'll pop it over here. There's a pile of them in here. Okay. Yeah. And I think there's a few others coming. And I was like, I was standing by the coffin of my Having 20, my moment, talking like, to my friend. To my 25-year-old best friend yeah. who had died and, and was like, and I think I was saying like, thank you for loving me. Like, thank you for everything you <laughs> Gary, gave I got to my so life. many reefs here. Like, where should I put them? Oh, Jesus, we're overrun with them. Uh, oh, my God. And oh it was just, God. I was, it was, I was angry. I was like, la- but I was also amused because yeah. I got it. I understood. Yeah, you're like, good timing in, in the sitcom. Yeah. This is hilarious. When I do a podcast about this in 10 years, <laughs> uh, that'll be a great moment. Yeah. But right now it's um, awful. Um, 
so yes, and then I went to the pub with um with some of her friends and her ex-boyfriend who I was friends with and then I think the next day was the removal where Kira is was in the open coffin in her house. Well, it was her granny's house um, where she had sp- spent a lot of time uh, growing up and which was nearer to my house than her mum's house because she was outside Dublin, her mum. And uh, another close friend of mine, Holly, came with me to sort of hold me up. So the removal, because I don't, I've not heard of that. So the yeah. removal is just it's when you wake. go to visit. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. It's uh, so it's you. Sometimes people do it in a in the funeral home. Sometimes they do it in their house. This right. was in yeah. Kira's house. and that's with house. the body. That's with the yeah. body, and yeah. you drink and you say goodbye and stuff. And I just wasn't. I wasn't in a place where I could do that. Yeah, I had to sort. Of, I felt like I had to go and yeah, and yeah. be and sort of be there for the family, but I couldn't. I couldn't take it in. And so, and it was so tragic. It was so tragic because Kira's mum was in a state of absolute shock. And was that her only child? Her only it? child. Oh, and, 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 a, and a beautiful, kind, clever, amazing woman who obviously Kira was her whole world. And uh, she was dressed all in white and she looked beautiful. She wore all white for the funeral. And then this other kind of funny exchange happened where she was telling like a neighbour who I was and she was like okay Brona and Kira went to school together for a year when they were 12 and then the second half of that sentence is and then remained best friends to this day Yeah, yeah. but she kind of only said the first half and so this neighbour was like I are so good to come I are so good to come did you come over from London I are so good and I was like no you don't understand no, no, I'm not good I'm in the circle she was my sister I'm in the like, circle yeah like I'm one of the gang like this neighbour was congratulating me for turning up like uh, sure they're only friends for a year she's come all this way she must be lonely in London yeah exactly <laughs> she must have wanted a trip back home oh my god and then the next day was was the funeral and um, and funerals of young people are just the worst and just every I mean I, I definitely cried and was in shock but again just wasn't in it yet yeah. and um, and I met Kira's dad for the first time yeah. because he had lived in Australia he had never oh, been to Ireland god. but they had a good relationship and he knew who I was of course and so it was sort of beautiful to meet him but also heartbreaking and mm. I think he's, he gave a eulogy and I think he said something along the lines that really stayed with me of how like when you're born they say that you get allocated a certain amount of words um, to speak and we all know that Kira like got double the amount of words <laughs> that everybody else got and then um, we went to bury her and this was this was quite traumatic because my my mother, father, one of my brothers, one of my sisters, and a lot of my friends had all come to the funeral to support me. And that is an Irish thing. They're sort of, yeah. they're big and you show up. They're, um, they're slightly different to, to funerals here. And so we all piled into our cars to go and drive to the graveyard after the church. And so we found out where the graveyard was and we were going to drive there. And then my dad was driving and he has literally the best sense of direction in the world, has never gotten lost a day in his life except for the day of my best friend's funeral. And so we were driving around me. He didn't know where he was going. Everyone in the car was getting increasingly stressed. I was in a state of absolute panic because I felt like I needed to see her buried to believe that this had happened. I also, I couldn't fathom it happening without me. I couldn't fathom going late. I couldn't handle being in a car driving around while someone put my best friend into the ground. And I just wanted to open the car door and roll out onto the motorway. Like it was overwhelming. And and as it happened, we got there on time and a lot of people had been lost because there were two graveyards by the same name or something. 
Um, and and so and we buried her, and then promptly I went back to London to go back into rehearsals for this play. God, that must have been so hard, Brian. It's just because also I think it's hard when the death is not like in your in your country you're residing in because then there is a very like people when you lose someone and you have the funeral and you go back to normal life you always feel like oh the world's just carrying on yeah but when you've had to sort of get on a plane and remove it, it's like yeah oh, did it happen did i go to that because here in london there's no cure yeah. there's no mem you know i'm just giving my life so there was a few things that were extra difficult about that and one was you know, I'd only been away for a year and I did miss Ireland anyway. Yeah. And uh, and nobody in London knew Kira. Yeah, yeah. And, and that circle of friends And then well. her, her in ter- we hadn't shared a friendship group, but I knew her mates. I knew her other close friends. Yeah. But we, none, we weren't like bonded together. And so, yeah, but this is sort of where like the shit hit the fan because like I just didn't know what grief was. Yeah. And... I had no idea that it was going to, like, enter my body, Mm. you know. So I remember just this prevailing sense for, like, Kira died on the 5th of September through to the following July. So the chunk of 10 months just not being able to function as a human being. But this also, so a few things. So, like, a rage that I had never, (laughs) ever Mm. envisaged as possible in my life. And I... I would be like a fairly positive, like upbeat, kind of optimist yeah. type person. And also, and wasn't wasn't a very angry person really. And also kind of was a bit snobby about anger. Like it was mm. something felt by people who were less emotionally mature than I. Like, <laughs> oh, you're angry? Sounds like you've got some stuff you need to talk about. <laughs> um, and I didn't know that I was going to just want to scream all day, yeah. every day. I didn't know that, like, I would be shaking with anger. I would yeah. want to punch things. I would hate everybody around me. I mean, up until that point, I just thought everybody was brilliant. Um, and then hard. I just hated everybody. Yeah. It was such a swing. Because that's really interesting because I was, I was angry before my dad died. Like, yeah. I was quite a kind of... Like I think actually essentially I'm an upbeat positive person but yeah. I thought that wasn't cool so I kind of made myself <laughs> into this like Darlene-esque Daria <laughs> character it's like everyone's lame everything's shit because I grew up in London as well and that was kind of what we were all doing and then so I was already I was ang- I definitely had the, a temper on me and so when I got the the rage I always felt like oh god it's just me but worse but I think it's really interesting that you were like I've never had this before what the fuck is this didn't know it was possible yeah. and also like had to let it out so yeah. just became slightly different person like I, like I don't think I went around shouting at everybody but I definitely like would walk down the motorway that I walked between my house and drama school and like would scream like would scream along with the cars <laughs> I would lock myself in the cubicle between classes and and like just silent scream oh. hyperventilate sob um and it's hard because I bet everyone was like oh what's Brona's problem she used to be so nice now she's I, being snappy I think like I think to a certain extent, they thought I was the same, but I knew I was a husk of the... Like, it was a a totally different person, but then also outwardly doing a a fairly half-decent impression. But also, I definitely isolated myself. I didn't Mm. want to... I didn't want to be alone and I didn't want to be with anyone. And there was about maybe three people I could be with. There was like a few people I had... Oh, my God, the staff at Lambda were so kind to me. Just like my physical theatre teacher would take me for walks with his son in Kew Garden and the head of movement told me I could come to her house and um, just stay in the country if I needed to. And they all looked after me so much, but I also 
I just don't, I just couldn't, I had this physical presence of grief. Like I had, mm. it felt like, a, I don't know, like a hoof belonging to like a very heavy horse was pressing <laughs> on my chest. For, great, great Irish metaphor. I love it. <laughs> I really love it. Yeah, I know what so, you so, mean. So, 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 very heavy horse <laughs> and he's put his hoof there now on my chest but I didn't like that's what I mean about the yeah. physical sense of it because I suddenly had like an intense pain in my chest like a fit like a really really painful physical yeah. presence that I never had before that's and what, it physically hurts I yeah. think that's a really and it I physically hurts with people with heartbreak I think people sometimes get that like yeah. oh yeah it physically hurts but it would, it's the same thing your heart is a part of your heart is breaking yeah and a part of your heart is yeah that pain oh that really and you, st- you know that's the thing with grief it, you still get it it's just not as bad as that first year I think because you learn to sort of mend it a little bit yeah. but that pain I know what you mean it's just like and you're like someone has punched me I couldn't believe someone's it someone's punched me why did someone punch me like and there's no one to look around so then you're angry because you're like someone punched me and there's no one to shout or say don't punch me there's just a, an absence of a person I couldn't not fathom what was happening yeah. to me I had the I was cr- like I would cr- cry in the morning I would cry in the evening mm. I would cry on lunch breaks I uh, was was angry I was you know I was full of rage I wanted to hit things I didn't like people anymore yeah. and that had sort of been my MO before <laughs> yeah. Rona gets on with people um, I then had to do the the, the the final year of drama school oh, where you have to get your headshots done and pick and do your showcase and and it's sort of everything felt really stupid yeah. and I had never been cynical in my life before like the year before if a teacher was like now we're going to be an animal for three hours I'd be like oh cool uh, this will be an interesting experience I think I'll be an owl uh, like, <laughs> let's see what this is like and I would throw you know and our yeah. voice teacher would be like breathe onto the walls and I'd be like sure this is an experience maybe this is doing something for my vocal cords Let's give it a try. And then that year it was like, what's the point? What is the fucking point? Yeah. And everyone around me was in that ver in their bubble bubble of yeah. like, we're at drama school, this is the biggest where it's our graduating year, this is the most important thing that yeah, to happen this to is us our, ever. And this, for them it is their biggest thing. And I had this new information, yeah. which was, by the way, anyone you love at any point can now die in an instant. I love it. And there's nothing you can like, do about it. It's so funny, because that's what I was like at school. So they'd be like, oh my God, this boy, and then we're gonna I go, know. should I wear this dress from like Kukai? I don't know. And I'd be like, You're all going to die. Like I know. And it's like there's no you've got it's almost like, you know, that when you come out of grief in the way that you don't come out of it, but you get you get better at sort of hiding that information that you yeah, know yeah. whereas when you're first in it all you want to do is scream yeah. we're all going to die why are we all walking around yeah. everyone should just sit down where they are and then you yeah. slowly learn I don't need to scream in people's faces that they're going to die yeah. they'll figure it out but that first bit when you know like you said that new information it was and, new information and it's <laughs> it was such, crucial yeah, as it's well crucial. <laughs> and I think it's like coming from being like in a you know when we were in tribes or when we were hunting yeah. gathers all those years ago if you knew that you, you want to come back into your family and yeah. be like hey guys we're all going to die so we need to change what we're doing yeah. you know and and everyone's yeah. like, no, no, I need to practice my monologue. You're like, no, 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 yeah. you need to practice your death because you're going to die and everyone can die. Like, yeah. yeah, it's so extreme, isn't it? And I definitely feel like there was sort of a before Brona and an after yeah. Brona. I, oh, I think definitely. I think I'm still, I think now I'm the same person. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was always the same person, but I think, and I always had a decent sense of perspective, like, you know, God, we're so lucky in this country or, you know, these countries that we live in. We're so lucky. I always had a, a very deep sense of perspective and gratitude. But this was 
this was so huge <laughs> and I it changed everything yeah like you said it's just it's new information yeah I guess it's like oh, you know like the sim- you know when you learn as a kid like that tastes bad like yeah. it changes everything like oh okay don't drink that thing like mm. it's in of course you start absorbing it into your being like yeah. it, and that physical process is your body your muscles and your emotions and your brain taking in oh right people can go and I I think I be- I think I believed I couldn't see a way where I thought I would ever be happy again yes I didn't like I didn't believe that I would ever be able to be happy again I thought it was going to be something I thought I would feel like that that hoof on my chest and that rage until old age if I was lucky enough (laughs) to live to old age which I might not be because actually I was going to drop dead because everyone you know because this had happened so I didn't I didn't believe that I was ever ever going to be happy again and I, I was able to still laugh and 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 go out and sometimes I would you know something would happen that I would enjoy but I was carrying around this the weight of it the weight of it and so something did shift yeah so um I think it was my birthday at the end of June so I was like you know Kira had been a bit older than me and now I was about to age beyond her for the first time and that you know and and you you've spoken before about how Christmases birthdays anniversaries they all have a different and I was particularly, I was, I started to think that maybe there was something wrong with me, that I was still so in grief. Yeah, and it must like, be hard when she's your friend as well, because you, you don't have that like, yeah. oh, I'm a family member. So you, I think people don't understand yeah. it. So, um, so I th- yeah, so when, when you, maybe there's a certain amount of people's imagination that can, if your sister died, yeah. they can fill that in. But if someone who felt like a sister but wasn't died, they don't. They just think it's a mate and you'll be fine. Yeah. So oh, that's I was really, oh, well. yeah. I was still really just really quite bad, and I started to feel like maybe it shouldn't still be this bad after this time. And I was late. I was late for school that day. It was my birthday. I'd just been crying all morning, and we were. It was we were in rehearsals for a final play, and so uh, I had a voice session with the voice teacher. Another teacher had been really kind to me. And so I was just like, look, I just, I just feel like awful. I'm just grieving so much. And she said, uh, I think, I think you might need to let Kira go. And I was so fucking angry with her. I thought it was like such a horrendous, insulting, horrible, insensitive thing to say. But there was also a grain of truth in it because I couldn't put down the weight of grief because it was like giving her up. Mm. And I didn't want to give her up. I loved her so much and she was so amazing and so she said that to me and I I was like okay I'm gonna explore this that's so kind of you because it is helpful advice but it does make you want to I say I really hated her in the moment <laughs> yeah because you feel like you feel like it's up there taking your friend away yeah or taking what you again. love away again again and that's what you're fucking going through yeah but yeah obviously I as an older person who's been through we can understand what she was trying yes. to say but when you're younger you're like oh you're a fucking bitch and I you? think <laughs> like, maybe there was Maybe there was a more sensitive way to say yes, it than yeah, yeah, like, yeah. time but, to let her go. Now, shall we do some uh, four-sided box? Um, <laughs> but then it's funny because I always think that the sensitive way, you might not have heard. True. So that's oh, often right. why people try, like I felt that, we're like, why do they say it like that? I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't have heard any other way. I needed someone to literally kind of, yeah. you know, clop you on the head a little bit and be like, yeah. If you don't do that, you're yeah. going to feel like this. And she was, you know, and again, she was a person who had been so kind to me. Um, and so I took that home, literally, and decided to, I don't know, have some sort of ritual. Mm. So I, I 
put up some photos of Kira and I lit some candles and I just talked to her for a couple oh. of hours and I was like you know you've you've gone and I didn't I didn't ever think that you were going to go and, and and I love I love you so much and thank you so much for everything you did in my life and and it's you've no idea how much how painful it's been uh, that you died but I, I think maybe I can't carry around this uh, this trauma with me in this way every day and so whatever it means I'm going to try to to let you go in whatever way and that doesn't mean you didn't love her yeah exactly it just means like I I can't live yeah like people can't live carrying that around that much death and I think that's really hard because you feel like you're betraying them yes and you feel like you're saying I don't like I was choosing to for her to die and And so it's not it's just how you live yeah and I think something did shift after that then. I think it was like, okay, I think maybe it was me giving myself permission yeah. to not be in deep, deep grief anymore. Because I think up to that point, deep grief was ta- uh, was like evidence of how much I loved her. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to admit to anyone else or to myself that her loss was anything other than utter de- devastation. Yeah, because it feels like moving on feels like a betrayal. Mm. Of, of what you felt about yes. them yeah. rather than of course you do have days when you feel better and it doesn't hurt as much like yeah and I think I definitely had to do oh, I'm still doing that of like preserving the grief and the pain and being yeah. like then we're still there we're still they're still sort of here somehow yeah. or and I yeah. nothing's really moved and you're almost which I think is shock as well you're almost still in the moment you got that phone call you're mm. almost still there which is kind of a weird world where they weren't quite dead mm. so that's it's just such a process, you know. Yeah, and, and you have to in- be kind to yourself. Like, yeah. yeah, and it is interesting because you carry it with you, like it. it you know, your life gets bigger around yeah, it, as, yeah. we, as you've talked about before. And it was certainly, di- you know, I I was still gr- I still grieve for her for a long time. I mean, I'm crying about her now, and mm. it's been over a decade. And and you know, we had her ten year anniversary party, you know, not so long ago, and. So did her mum do that, or with her friends? Did you decide to? Her mum, uh, her mum did that, oh. and and all of her friends. And her mum asked me to MC it, <laughs> uh, and we had a kind of a gig, you know. And I and I wept at that as well. And I wrote a poem for Kira about Kira, which I then sort of performed because I can't. I mean, I cannot sing, <laughs> and it would have been cruel to the people <laughs> around us if I had to tried to do that. But Kira loved a gig, and so mostly it was bands that she liked performing. Oh. And so I was introducing them with a joke or two, and then uh, and then I said this poem and stuff. But I at the I got to meet her sister, and got to meet Bronte, and you got to meet Bronte. Yeah, oh my and God, she does I'm have pieces. other other half oh siblings, God. but Bronte came over, and uh, and Bronte is a nurse in Tasmania and has so many of Kira's lovely qualities, oh. like just like you know cherubic cheeks. Uh, her, she kind of has her eyes. She has her kindness. She's so sweet, and that was like me. I don't, it was it was so amazing to meet her, and we've become friends, and uh, and that was really cool. Um, and I think now it's settled into a place where I just feel really lucky to have had that love and have that to have had that love in my life to have that person who was such a cheerleader. I actually read emails from her last night oh. because I knew we were doing this today, and she was always just so proud of me and I kind of hadn't done anything at that point <laughs> and one of the emails she said I was I had obviously been writing to her about Lambda and she was writing back saying it all sounds really brilliant she was like and she said in the email I'm so proud of you I know I say that to you in every email but I'm just so proud of you and I was like god I was so lucky to have such a cheerleader um, you know and she would love 
to see what I'm doing now. Like yeah. she'd be so happy to see me on the telly and to and to and to you know to watch the stuff I write and and I think that that has marked my life as well, just in terms of how grateful I am for the people that I love and 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 also I'm like slightly I'm I'm quite empathetic now of people yeah, have lost yeah. people because I, I only I assume before I think I was like oh that's sad uh, you know let me know if you need anything all the useless <laughs> platitudes yeah, yeah. and I think now I'm like okay I get it I mean I get it wrong sometimes but um, oh we all do I mean I fucking get it wrong like, and well, I'm I like that doesn't sound like you carry out I believe you're the princess of grief queen <laughs> yeah, of grief I know, I know. <laughs> president of grief president of grief yeah no I even I have thought something came up today that I had to write to someone and I thought, and I actually had the thought, oh, I don't know what to say, I won't say anything. And I was like, yeah. carry ad? Yeah. What? But, you know, we're all, you're all totally allowed those those thoughts. But, Brona, just, I'm in pieces. <laughs> I'm in absolute <laughs> pieces. And I do a lot of these shows and I'm not always oh, in pieces. But it's just been nice to cry that, together. I know, but just the fact that you met Bronte after all that oh. time. And I think there's something, I mean, this is, I mean, I sound like such a dickhead now, but like the power of, love like family and friends and when you do like I've had this with my nephew who is half Japanese so very odd that he looks like my dad but my god he looks like my dad and there's this really yeah I think that's a really it can be really healing yeah and that's not to say if you don't have someone who looks like someone who's died you're not okay like it's just it's just one of the one of the nice things I can find in the shit it's like you said to see someone who has those mannerisms Mm. and in a new person who doesn't have any of what, you know, what they're going through, any of that mm. pain that they had in that different way, and just be like, oh, there you are. Mm. Like, there you are, my old friend. Yeah. And that's amazing that, you know, Bronte's still caring in the way that she cared. That's yeah, just it's lovely. And it's been lovely beautiful. to connect with her Australian family, and I hope to meet more of them someday. She sounds like a fucking legend. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's funny because, uh, you know, we've uh, <laughs> it's been very me-centric. I, really, I feel like I've really talked about myself a lot in this podcast. Yeah, we've got a lot but, of uh, but yeah, I mean, she was just uh, such good fun, and and the last person standing at the party, and the and the friend who'll always call you and stay in touch, and the person who you can say anything to and they won't judge, and the person who'll always have a drink in her hand, and <laughs> and yeah, I have this um, memory came back to me. Uh, that's another thing is that like they feel really precious because now mm. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of losing just yeah. like little details of like us yeah. walking around the Ilac Centre in Dublin looking for ingredients for a detox that she stuck to for like a day or you know just like this moment I remember we went to a comedy gig together it was so funny she made such a faux pas and it was so Kira just like keep up like barreling on talking so she was telling a comic that she really liked a bit of a set but it wasn't his set it was another comic so she was going like I really love the bit that you do about Irish college and this comic was going no that's not me that's um, that other fellow and she's like no 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 the bit you do where you say this and you this and just like doubling down and this guy just getting like increasingly pissed off and Kira just like that was so funny <laughs> No, it's fine. I just keep going. I just, and eventually, well, I'm sure it was you. I mean, I remember it, so it must have been you. He'll admit it was his set in a minute. Those moments, like you said, they're so like just part of friendship. But it's yeah. just like you said, you have to. You don't have to, but it's helpful to move to a place where they just become like you said. You just feel really grateful that you had them yeah. with that person, and yeah. it doesn't. It doesn't stop it hurting. It doesn't take away that pain, but. Yeah. It balances the pain, I suppose. It balances yeah. you. I think when you first grieve, you've just you're just 
your pie chart is just pain. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, slowly the pie true. chart's like, oh, memories and gratitude that I knew them. And, yeah. you know, that's made me a better person. I think, I mean, I definitely think it has. And I think it's 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 given me that sense of perspective of like, if you're stuck in traffic for two hours, that's not a problem. Yeah. Like someone you love dropping dead is a problem. Yeah. And I don't remember that every minute of every day, but I try to pull myself back to that yeah. at least once a day. And this other thing of like, which I think now I'm obviously, you know, I'm uh, Kira never got to be this age and she didn't get to see me married. And I know that she would have had gorgeous little cherubic mm. kids running around by now. But I also think that like that thing that we do as humans where people are like, oh, my God, it's my birthday. I can't, uh, you know, I don't want to tell anyone what age I am. Um like, I just think, be grateful for every year yeah. that you get to be on this planet. Like, yeah. you know, Kira died at 25. A, a really good friend of mine, her her nephew died this year. He was like 17, 18. Like, friends have lost, like, babies. Like, if you're, if you're like, worried because there's, you know, because you're like, oh, I don't like this number. Like, you're so lucky yeah. to have this extra year with the yeah. people that you love. We're all so fucking lucky to have each other. Yeah, so that's definitely something that it helps to come back to you when um, when someone's being really annoying. <laughs> we all need something to get through. Brona, I... Oh, I'm in pieces. Oh. She sounds amazing. And what... It sounds like you're both really lucky to have had each other. Yeah, we were. And thank you so much, Carrie. I do you know oh I'm a God. big fan. I'm yeah, I'm delighted. Yeah. Did your other guests <laughs> make you cry like this? No. Do I get some sort of gold star? Yeah, I think so. Um, I but no, I love so. the podcast. I think what you do here is really, really beautiful. I've listened to so many of them and they've really helped and entertained me. And so I'm so grateful to you for doing this. So thank you. Thank you. Stop as I start crying. <laughs> You can follow Brona on Twitter at Brona C. Titley. Brona is B-R-O-N-A-C-T-I-T-L-E-Y. She's very funny on Twitter, so I definitely recommend that you do that. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast, or you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. If you did enjoy the show, please feel free to rate and review us on iTunes, and also don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. The show was edited by Kate Holland, with thanks to Whistledown Studios, and the music is provided by The Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone.